Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, okay. Well, tonight, um, I'm really, I really am excited to be able to just be talking to the ladies on this subject. And just like I promised the first week, it ain't going to be weird. All right. It's not going to be awkward. It's not going to be cheesy. Um, today, I was talking to a really good, he's, he's one of my best friends. His name is Cole. And um, we're just telling him about what's going on um, in Fusion and what we're doing. And, and I was telling him that tonight I'd be addressing you guys or you ladies. And, um, and I was really excited about it because I am. And he was like, man, I don't know that I've ever like had a friend who's in youth ministry or anything like that who's <laughs> excited about this series. You know, I said, well, dude, I, I am. And, and I'm sharing this with you guys because I want you to know my heart behind everything that I'm fixing to say. Um, while I was preparing, I was asking the Lord, God, there's a million ways I could take this. Um, what would you want me to do? And I was asking him, check my heart and make sure um, that my motives are, are right. Because, I, you know, I have a stepsister I, I was very protective of growing up. And so I, I don't want to be like the, the overly protective brother. You know what I mean? I want to give you guys a good perspective. Uh, my heart behind this is this, and this is what I told Cole today. I really feel like a, and, and this is, might sound silly, but this is how, this is really how I feel. I feel like a big brother or, or like a fatherly type role in this subject. And, I, and that's the heart behind what I'm going to share tonight. The first thing that I want to do is, is let you know, I was asking the Lord, how, how should I go about this? And the thought came to my mind, if I were telling my daughter or a little sister a message on this subject, and I only had a limited amount of time. What would be some things? So I made a checklist. I made a ladies checklist and a guys checklist. All right, so there's four things on a ladies checklist. But I want to, before I tell you the, the first thing, um, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, so I have two really good friends. They live in the same neighborhood. They actually live in my neighborhood. Um, they don't live together. They have their own house, right? And so their houses are very, very similar Size-wise, they're both nice houses, um, and they, they, they both are worth about the same. They're probably worth around the same dollar amount, um, but the guys aren't the same. Uh, one of my friends' name is Zach, and he is a crazy, like, neat freak, all right? So I want you guys, I would love to take you on a tour of both of these houses to illustrate my point, but I can't, obviously. So do me a favor and close your eyes. <laughs> I want to take you on a, on a mental tour, all right? And I'm going to describe this stuff. I want you to feel like you're there, okay? So just close your eyes for a second. Zach's house is like this. You pull up in the driveway. Imagine yourself, it's a sunny day. I know this is silly. It's a sunny day outside. Light little breeze, maybe 75. I don't know. It's really not important. But you're there, okay? You're pulling up. His, his yard is landscaped, really nice. It's his grass is cut, it's, it's weed-eated and edged, his flower bed's well-kept. You walk inside, his living room is, is well-decorated, there's a nice uh, sofa there with some nice throw pillows, really placed really neatly. You walk into the kitchen, and uh, it's very clean, everything's super spotless. I mean, there's air fresheners in here, it smells really Really like, almost like a girl clean this house and not a guy. And um, keeping your eyes closed, I want you to imagine that house, right? Now the other friend, we're going to switch houses. You back out of his driveway and you go to my other friend, Ryan. 
You go to Ryan's house. Now, when you turn there, Ryan's flower beds are full of weeds. Uh, the grass is long and grown over the sidewalk and over his driveway a good little bit. You walk in his house, dirt's all over the floor. You pass the bathroom and you look to the side and there's like that ring around the toilet when you don't clean it. It's disgusting. Ugh. There's no throw pillows on his sofa. Stay with me here. There's no throw pillows on his sofa. There's pizza boxes, old pizza boxes stacked up in the kitchen. There's like supposed to be clean clothes, but they're not clean anymore on the floor in the sofa. There's dishes piled high in his sink. So are you seeing that in your mind right now? Okay, open your eyes. Okay. I did all that to say this. (laughs) Imagine whenever I go to Ryan's house. When I go to Ryan's house, I just doesn't matter how I am. I could just have cut grass at my house. Ryan's the dirty guy. I could just have cut grass at my house. But when I go to Ryan's house, I walk right in. I'll take my shoes off. Um, I sit at the table. If I eat at Ryan's house, um, I, c- I could either leave my plate of food at the table or I can just put it on the other pile of dishes that are in his sink. You know, um, I don't mind putting my feet on Ryan's sofa because it's already kind of dirty and you wouldn't even notice. Um, on and on. But when I go to Zach's house, I treat it a little differently. I take my shoes off at his door. Um, I, don't, I don't eat and leave my stuff. When I eat, I'll, I'll scrape my plate off, my leftovers into the trash can. I rinse it off in the sink. If, he's, if his dishwasher's ready to wash dishes, I put it in there, right? <laughs> if I move his pillows on his sofas, I'm putting them back. Like I take care of, of Ryan's house. And, and they're both the same house, they're both the same value, but I act differently. And so does everybody else, acts differently when they're at Ryan's house. My question would be, what if I went to Ryan, the clean guy's house, I'm sorry, Zach, the clean guy's house, with dirty shoes, and I just walk in Zach's clean house with dirty shoes, and then I kick my shoes up on the sofa, and I probably wouldn't even make it to the table to eat over there before Zach would be like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? My house was clean before you got here. What in the world do you think you're doing? And if I'd, I'd have to straighten myself up there, probably go clean my mess and try to get right. But if I kept doing that, what if, what if I was like, oh, man, my bad, and I just kept my shoes on, um, ate, dropped food on the floor, just treated this nice house like it wasn't very nice, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't get an invite back. Um, y'all following me on that one? So the first item that I want to talk about, or the first point that I want to bring about is, if I could tell you four things, the first one would be, um, I want you to know your value, and I want you to know your worth. See, the difference in those two people wasn't a house. It was one of them knew the value and the worth of his house, and the other one didn't. And some expectations came along with that because he knew the value of his house, and the other one really didn't. So, I want to read uh, in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start to talk about your value. But before I do that, I want to sum this up. So Genesis chapter 2, we're starting in verse 18. But I want to give you a recap of this before I get there. So God is actually standing um, with Adam in verse 18. But before that, we know that God created like everything out of nothing. Okay. Now, I really want this to impact you. Like, imagine, the, the, the Bible says that 
the Spirit hovered over the darkness. Literally, it was just dark. They didn't have any planets. They didn't have any stars. They didn't have a sun. They didn't have anything. And so he just created all this stuff. And then we pick up in verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I read this last week. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Okay, so imagine he created everything. He went through all this stuff. Then he has Adam name all these things. That didn't happen very fast, I can't imagine. It's a lot of animals. I mean, horse, donkey, uh, gorilla. I mean, that was a solid 10 seconds right there. You catch, you catch on that point. It takes a little while. So after all this stuff, something was still missing. Something was still missing. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep or into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. So the reason this is so significant is a woman is the very last thing God created. He's the very last thing God created after all of that stuff. And the reason behind it was that something was still missing and something was still incomplete. So when we think of everything God created, one thing was missing and incomplete in that vast picture, and it was a woman. And so when I think of that, it makes me think the missing link, the incompletion was a woman. How much further could we take this? In Psalms 139, 14 through 15, Read this with me, for you created, talking to God, so you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are, are wonderful. I know that full well. Let's jump to Proverbs eighteen twenty two. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So dang, girls, y'all are pretty good. Big deal to God, huh? He who finds a wife finds favor from the Lord. So here's the thing. If God created you as the thing that was missing after all that he created, um, it, it says that you're fearfully or carefully. The, the word picture there in the Greek word for fearfully is a potter who, who has like limited space on a table. And like when you're dealing with like a clay pot and you have limited space on a table, you're fearfully like carefully making that because it's something that's very precious and fragile. That's the word picture for that. So so that's you. And he says that you are the good thing for a man to find. And by finding you, a man gains favor from him. And so as, so as a lady, you're valuable. And so as I continue on in this story, I'm going to share some things. And I want you to understand sometimes this is such a simple concept. Like we grow up maybe hearing this all the time. But there are people who they've never heard that before. Um, so first step would be know your value and know your worth. When you do that, it'll help you want to protect that. When you really understand why you're created, it'll help you want to protect that. I want to tell you all a story about a friend of mine, um, Melanie. So we're in high school, I'm sorry, uh, college. And Melanie, was a, she was a great girl, um, real cool. Uh, she was a roommate's uh, my roommate's sister, and she kind of lived next door to us. 
And so we're always around Melanie, and she's a real innocent girl. And, um, man, there was this guy, um, and I don't know. I just, I had a bad feeling about this dude. Um, her brother had a bad feeling about this dude. And he was a nice guy, but he just didn't seem, like, authentic. He didn't seem, I don't know. He, like, he did the right things, and he just seemed shady. And so the people closest to her were saying, like, Melanie, you need to watch out, man. Like, I don't, I don't really trust this guy. And Melanie wasn't, like, the party type. She wasn't the, go out, the going out type. Um, but one thing led to another. She ended up going out with the guy. Um, and when she would come back, we would say, like, hey, so how, how was y'all time, you know? And Melanie would say, oh, you know, he, he just bought me, like, a couple drinks. And Melanie wasn't the type to even do that. And this whole story continues to go on and on until um, one day, she slept o- he slept over on her sofa, on her couch. And, um, man, her brother got there and was like, what are we, dude, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> you can't, can't stay here, so kick the guy out. And this, like, it was like he wouldn't respect these, these boundaries that were set because the following weekend he slept on the couch, on and on and on. Well, Melanie was a virgin. She'd never been with a guy. And, guys, the way this story ends is that this dude ended up sleeping with Melanie. And after that was done, he was gone off to the next person. Um, but leading up to that, he seemed like such a nice dude. Now, I don't say that to say that all guys are like that. Please don't read into the story. What I, what I am saying is, have you guys ever heard of um, the burden of proof, that phrase, the burden of proof? So when something goes to court, like the, the whole term innocent till proven guilty, the accuser has, to, has the burden of proof, which means like they have to prove that the person is guilty, okay? So I'm a guy, obviously. I hope that's not in question. <laughs> so I'm a guy, and I'm going to tell you, um, guys have the burden of proof. And what I mean by that is I know that, that girls aren't always innocent, but what I am saying is that God gives responsibility to men, to be leaders of a household, it doesn't start in the household. It starts before that. And guys have the burden of proof. If a guy wants you to trust him, he has the burden of proof to prove that you're worthy of trusting him. Is that making sense? Okay, so not only is it the guy's job to prove his worth, it's not done with his, with his mouth, with his words. It's done with his actions. And it's not done with his actions in just a few months. It's done with his actions for a long period of time. So remember that your worth and value causes you to protect it. And the first thing is by allowing a guy to earn your trust and to earn or the burden of proof. Remember that phrase, the burden of proof. The second um, way that you can protect your value is by setting boundaries. How many of you have heard that before? Like, set boundaries, set boundaries. That's such a common thing. Um, You know, a lot of times we hear that phrase, we don't really know what that is. I just want to put it simply as this. Boundaries are safeguards to help lines not get crossed. And I'll give you an example. Um, Like, you're driving on the road. A boundary on the road might just be like a line of paint. It's easy to cross that line of paint. But it's there for you to see it. And the more precious something is, the greater the boundary. And so I'll give you another example. If you ever go to the bank, you can't drive a car in a bank. 
Like there's these big posts in front of the door. You'll notice that because there's a lot of value on the inside of that bank. And so you're not just going to ride a car right through that door. There are some bigger boundaries. The White House, um, there's a president in there, right? You ain't just going in the White House. There's some Fort Knox style. Fort Knox, what a great example, right? That's where they, the Federal Reserve holds all their money. You're not just going to walk in there. Am I getting my point across? The higher the value, the more important the boundary. So how do you set boundaries? How do you know what they are? The first thing you need to do to set a boundary. The first thing, it's, it's, it's not the second, it's not the third. This is the priority. You need to have a relationship with God. That sounds so simple. This is what I'm talking about. You need to be able to pray and hear God and let God tell you what the boundaries are. You need to seek those from God. Step one is seek God for your boundaries. Get a journal out. Get the note screen on your phone out and pray, Lord, what should boundaries in dating and relationships look like in my life? It's not what your friends say. It's what God says. That's the starting point. The second point is get the input from your parents. Tell them, hey, I'm setting some boundaries in these areas. And this is what I sought God. And this is what I feel God telling me. Show that to them and say, I want your input. You know, your parents were your age once. And listen, I went through this this phase of I felt like, man, my parents don't know anything. Right. Because they didn't know how like. What LOL meant, or I don't know. That's what it was back when I was in high school. <laughs> anyway, um, I went through this phase. It's like my parents couldn't teach me anything. But man, the older I get, the more I realize there's a lot to learn. And there's a lot of wisdom. So take advantage of that. So step one, pray. Step two, get the input from your parents. Step three, have an older friend that you trust, that you trust, that you trust to give you input and hold you accountable. Why is it important that you trust them? Because if you trust them when, they're, when, when you're setting the boundaries and they're helping you with accountability, you can't second guess your trust later on when they're holding you accountable. So if you trust them on the front end and then later on, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, no, I want to do this. I don't trust you. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. They're trying to be there for you. So that's why we do small groups. Guys, that's why I don't preach every week. That's why I don't preach every week. I want you to develop relationships with older ladies in your small group, your small group leaders. They've been through some of this season or all of this season that you're going through. I mean, they can spare you. Look, my friend Melanie, if she could talk to you guys, if she could have came up here and told you the situation, she'd have a whole unique perspective uh, in comparison to what I'm saying. And so what I'm wanting you to do is seek that out before what happens, what, what, what Melanie happens, you know? Now, not just, you know, using boundaries is not just a way to protect your purity. It's also to, a way to measure a guy's character. And this is what I mean by that. How a guy responds to the boundaries that you set says a lot about his character, his motives, and his value for you. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you pray and your boundaries say, hey, I, I'm, I don't want to kiss in this season. Like, that's not something that I want to do. And you set that as a boundary. If you make that clear and that guy still pressures you to do that, that says something about his character. Now, I'm not saying there's something wrong with a guy desiring to do that. Last week we covered that. That's when God said be fruitful and multiply, a sex drive entered a guy and a girl. But the boundaries are there to make sure that happens in context, like we talked about last week. Another example would be, hey, I don't want to be in a room alone in this season of my life. 
he either respects that or he doesn't. Um, as you get older, you get your own place or your apartment. For those of you who are 18 or older and you're working, if it's like, hey, I don't want to have you over past 10 o'clock. Okay, he should, he should either respect that or not, but it tells you a lot about his position in a relationship and in a friendship. Also want to say this, boundaries don't stop once you get married. You still need personal time. You still need friend time. You still need family time. You need time with God. There are boundaries that continue on in marriage. And if a guy can't respect your boundaries now, don't think that's something that just goes away once you get married. That's something that he's got to work on and he's got to improve on. And it's not your job to teach that to him. It's somebody else's. It's the Lord's job. He's got the same list. Pray, get input from parents, and have older friends, right? Y'all still y'all tracking with me? Okay. Um, have that conversation about boundaries up front with any guy that you ever date. And don't be ashamed of your boundaries. I'm going to say that again. Up front, one of the, when you realize, when you DTR, when you define that relationship, and you're like, all right, this is a thing. Bam, have the boundary conversation. When I talk to the guys, I'm going to say they should be the ones to start that conversation. But if for some reason they don't, you start it. And don't be ashamed of the boundaries that you feel the Lord set for you. Trust the Holy Spirit's guidance. Trust your parents' wisdom and your mentor, your older friend's wisdom and accountability. Doing these things will help you to protect your value. That's the second thing. The third thing is be yourself. Be yourself, all right? Some, uh, some of my favorite ways, uh, like with hip lingo to say this, is be you. I mean, that's really kind of not hip anymore. Um, I heard someone say, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I heard someone say, you do you, boo. That's kind of more hip, yeah? You do you, boo. My favorite quote on the subject of being yourself is this, Dr. Seuss. Some of you already know what this is. I love this. All right. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. I love that. I'm going to say it again. All right. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. So many people try to be someone that they aren't. But here's the thing with that, okay? It, you know, people will look at a person on a magazine or, I don't know, someone who's, who's famous or popular or whatever, and they want to be that person, Here's the deal, though. Fake is unattractive. Fake is so unattractive. But authenticity, being real, is very attractive. Uniqueness is precious because it's irre... Ir- Man, I knew I was going to mess this word up. Irreplicable. I said it like 10 times in my office. Irreplicable, meaning you can't duplicate it, right? So unique cannot be copied. And here's the thing. Dr. Seuss's thing is great. But the truth is that was God's idea. God made each of you unique, and that's not a cliche thing. We hear that it was, as we're little kids, like, oh, you're, you're a unique person. God made you unique. It's true. Look, we read it earlier, Psalms 139. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 says this, The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. That word knew is, an, is to mean, it means intimately known. I intimately knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
See, he made Jeremiah with a unique purpose and he knew him intimately. He had a plan and a purpose for his life before he was even born. Here's the catch, though. He didn't just do that with Jeremiah. That's a principle that we can apply to every person's life. Same is true for you. So if we think about that, this is what that means. There's a guy out there who God created, who knows your value and knows your worth. He's willing to protect your value and your worth. And he's looking for someone just like you. And they won't find someone newer than you. True story. There's a guy out there. And he's looking. That, that's real. That's real, guys. Um, but you're, you're not going to find that in a shortcut. There's no shortcut. There's no elevator to that. You got to take the stairs. You know, like they, they don't have a shortcut. But the guy is out there. The last thing on the tail end of that statement, the fourth checklist that I would say, is focus on becoming the one, not looking for the one. All right, let me say that again. Focus on becoming the one, not looking for the one. Okay? Psalm 37, 4 through 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. Having a healthy desire like finding the one or dating someone who, who feels the ways that I just said, that knows your worth and, and that wants to protect your value and your worth and is looking for someone just like you, desiring that, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that um, when you desire that so much it consumes you and you feel like you have to get that, that's not right. Let's reread what we just read. In Psalms 37, 4 through 5, I'm going to emphasize some key words here. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will do this. That word delight in Greek, it actually means to allow one's self or one's heart to be molded. And so really it's saying delight yourself in the Lord. Uh, which means allows, allow yourself to be molded by God. Allow yourself to be molded by God. That's becoming the one. There's another key verse on this subject. is Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first or above all that you do, Seek first, seek God. Above anything that you do, seek the Lord. So when your relationship with God is your highest priority, he will mold you to be the woman that he wants you to be, the wife that he wants you to be, and the mom that he wants you to be. Look, God covers all the bases. He really does. You don't have to seek God for each individual thing. It's good when it comes to your heart, you talk to the Lord about it, pray about it. But if you forget, like, oh, man, I totally forgot to pray about being a wife. <laughs> I'm never going to get married. Like, no, no, that's not how God works. He still provides those things. But work out the kinks that the Lord wants to work out now and let the Lord groom you and grow you in areas it would be so much more beneficial for you to grow in before you get married. Now, let me hit you guys with like one of the most cheesy, cliche, godly quotes that you can find on the Internet. But it's also, seriously, it's also the truest. Guys, when I first saw this, and, and, and like from when I first saw this to now, I have a totally different perspective. You probably already know what I'm fixing to say. But it's so good. 
All right, a woman's heart should be so hidden in Christ that a man should have to seek him first to find her. Who's heard that before? Yeah. Is it not that cheesy? Oh, it's good. Okay, sorry. Yeah, well, great. We're on the same page here. We're on the same page. So, yeah, a woman's heart should be so hidden in Christ that a man should have to seek him first to find her. I 100% agree with this. There's actually nothing more attractive to a guy who has a relationship with God. There's nothing more attractive to a guy who has a relationship with God than a girl who has a genuine relationship with God. There's nothing more attractive to a guy who has a relationship with God than a girl who has a genuine relationship with God. That key word there is genuine. You can't have a relationship with God just so that the guy's going to like you. Right? People will know that. People Remember, fake is off-putting. Real is attractive. Not just in who you are, but who you are with God. Okay? So your checklist is this. Know your value and know your worth. Protect your value. That's number two. Number three, be yourself. And number four, focus on becoming the one, not finding the one. Now, I'm going to run through this quick because it's already 8 o'clock. If you got to go, it's okay. You can go. I don't want to hold you. I was like so bummed in my heart. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. Okay, the guy checklist. First things first. He has to be hot. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, true story though. Watch how he treats other girls or other ladies, especially his mom, his sisters, or any other ladies in his life. True story. Watch how he treats other girls or other ladies, especially his mom, sisters, or any other ladies in his life. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, right here, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. If he treats other women in his life with respect and purity, chances are he'll do that to you. There's an old saying that I've heard growing up, and this is not cliche, okay? I've I've seen this to be very true. Girls, watch how a guy treats his mother, and guys, watch how a girl treats her father, because that's most likely how she'll treat you. That's convicting. Say that again. Girls, watch how a guy treats his mother. And guys, watch how a girl treats her father because that's most likely how they'll treat you. Now, if a guy can follow 1 Timothy, the scripture I just read, then he can most likely follow this verse. So if he's already on that page in his singleness, check this verse out, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. As Christ loves the church, that's a tall order. When we think about what Christ did for us, that's a whole lot. So the guy has the responsibility of doing the best he can to follow that. Now listen, no one's ever going to outdo Jesus. But his pursuit is that. So the first thing, watch how he treats the, the women close to him in his life. The second thing, pay attention to his relationship with God. You can't undermine that, and that's not something simple you just check off. Like, oh, yeah, he comes to church. Listen, that's not what you base it off of. Why is it important? A guy cannot treat you with the value that you were created to be treated with if he doesn't know 
the creator. If he doesn't know who created you and if he doesn't know who created him. When a person has a relationship with God, that means they care about what God has to say through prayer, his word and godly counsel, like godly friends in his life or God himself or anybody else that would be considered godly counsel. A man who isn't submitted to God makes his own definition of right and wrong. So there's a limit to how he can settle disputes or how close you guys can grow together because the limit uh, the limit gets reached whenever God's word quits being followed. But if he loves the Lord and you love the Lord, God is your guideline. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that every man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That includes being a man, a husband, and a dad. And he either believes that or he doesn't. That should be important to you. That should be important to you. Just like when you seek first the kingdom of God and you delight yourself in God and he molds you to be the woman, wife, and mom you're created to be, the same is true for the guy. Now I'm closing up here, but the third thing is you, what you should look for in a guy is a protector. Now when you're a little girl, you read these stories and there's this knight in shining armor and there's this girl and she's she's trapped in this tower and this big dragon and he's like, Rah! and this dude, knight in shining armor, he just comes along and he's going to rescue her and boom, he, he pulls her out of the, the thing. It just so happened to catch on fire when he was getting in there. I mean, this dude's a man, okay? If the situation was bad, it just got worse and he rescues this girl. <laughs> okay, so his first task was to go in and get her. See, it's a cheesy illustration, but this is the real life deal. He should be a protector. And his first job, and I'm being real, his first job is protecting you from him. Because I'm, I'm a guy. Let me tell you something. Guys have the burden of proof. Like I said earlier, his first job is protecting you from him. He is to protect your purity. If he can't protect your purity, don't expect him to protect other areas. If he will protect your purity, it says a lot about his character. The first thing it says is he's selfless. He's putting your well-being before his desires. The second thing is he's reverent. He respects you for who you are and what you're worth. He values you. And the third thing is he's a man of integrity. He follows through on his promise to respect and protect your boundaries. Now, I want to do something with you guys. Why don't we stand? And this is a little unique, but... um, you know, when people are in the military and they go to war, they're in war together. And people will go to war not knowing each other and come back best friends. All right. Um, there's a bond that's formed. And the truth is this. It's, it might sound cheesy, but it is real. And you, it's really a battle to fight for your purity. Because like we talked about last week, when God said be fruitful and multiply, a sex drive entered a guy and a girl. You're not weird. You shouldn't be sh- like feel ashamed for wanting to have sex. The catch is there's a context for that, and it's in marriage. And so what I want to do is I want to pray along the lines of what we talked about tonight, but I want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to just grab each other's hand because this is a battle that you're in this together. And, you know, we have small groups because we want to build relationship. We do all these things because it's not about doing things isolated. 
So just close your eyes, and I just want to pray a blessing over you. Now, the Bible says a lot about receiving, okay? Whenever something's prophesied, it says if someone receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, they receive a prophet's reward. Well, I believe the same for prayer. When someone prays over you, if you receive that prayer, I believe you receive the fruit and the blessing of that prayer. So I want you to just close your eyes, hold, hold each other's hands, and I'm going to just pray over you. And I really want you to focus on what I'm praying. And so the first thing, let's just pray, Jesus, God, I pray that you would reveal to them their value and their worth. Lord, that's not a simple concept because they're not simple creations. God, they're the very last thing you created. And God, you created them with a purpose to fulfill everything else you created. Before them, it wasn't finished. It wasn't fulfilled. Something was missing. And so, God, I pray that they would feel an accurate value. And that revelation can only come from you. It can't even come from me. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them the revelation of their value and their worth. God, I pray that you would protect them and keep them as you're saving them for the person that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would protect their boundaries. Your word says that you're a father to the fatherless. They may have fathers, but when they're not with their fathers, you're their father. And God, I pray that you'd protect their purity and you protect their boundary. Lord, I pray that you would give them a greater freedom to be themselves. You created them to be themselves, not to be someone else. And you created someone else, another. you created a guy to be looking on the lookout for exactly who they are. And if they ain't them, that guy is going to be missing something. And you said in your word that it's not good for man to be alone. So, God, I pray that you would just protect them until they meet that person. And lastly, God, I pray that you would mold them into the women, the wives, and the moms that you've created them to be before they were even formed in their mother's womb. Lord, I pray that they would grow in relationship and friendship with each other. God, I pray that you would just surround them by godly influence, whether that be girls or guys. And Lord, I just pray for a healthy atmosphere of what we're talking about. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.